Next week, as we've been um, talking about the fact that we want to use uh, next Sunday, which is the Sunday right before Christmas, um, to let people know about the greatest gift that any one of us could ever receive. And uh, we have putting together some things that we believe will be a blessing to you. We've been encouraging you. Next week is the Sunday. You want to invite your family members and friends, especially those that don't know the Lord or maybe walked away from the Lord. Uh, it's important that we do our very best to do that. We want to see God do something incredible next Sunday. I want to, how many want to see God do something great next Sunday in people's lives? Yeah, and God wants to do that. So it, we just need to go to God and say, okay, God, give me the courage and strength. I want to invite as many as I can to come uh, and do whatever I got to do to help them to get here uh, next Sunday. And to kind of keep us focused on the, the theme of gifts, we've been talking about uh, the gifts that were given to Jesus by the wise men or the magi, depending on whatever translation of the Bible you are reading. And today we are going to finish off this little mini-series uh, as we talk about that last gift, which is the gift of frankincense. So we're going to turn back to our Bible one more time. We're going to read uh, from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star uh, they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. All right. So as we mentioned in the last couple of weeks, uh, the, the, the gifts that were given to Jesus by the wise men, they had a spiritual significance to them. They represented something spiritually. 
Uh, we, we first touched on myrrh, uh, which symbolizes not just Jesus' humanity, but more importantly, his death, that his death would be the sacrifice that would purchase salvation for man. Robert, I think this is a little bit too loud. Maybe you can lower me, or maybe it might be in a monitor. And so we, myrrh was important because, again, it was often used to, to, as ointment to cover uh, bodies that were dead because the Jewish people did not embalm, so they, but they anointed the body with myrrh. So it symbolizes the Lord's death and the importance of his death. Last week, we talked about the gift of gold, and uh, I think they have a picture that they want to show you about that. Do we have that picture, God? There it is. Oh, by the way, uh, JB, we forgot to dismiss you. So, JB, go ahead, JB. While we leave that, no, 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 we got to leave that picture back up, Don. Come on, leave it back up. I love our staff. I so appreciate every one of their unique gifts. And there's a young man in our media department who's going to be looking for a job soon. He's the author of this picture. Yeah. There's not much you can say after you see that picture, right? Okay. Let's go back now. Let's get serious. So the gift of gold uh, was symbolic for the kingship of Jesus Christ. He was not just king of the Jews, but as the Bible declares, he has been crowned king of kings, which means he's the king over all kings. Uh, there is no king higher than King Jesus. And today we are looking at this uh, frankincense, which uh, is symbolic for the deity of Jesus, meaning his divine nature. Uh, and so, uh, by the way, it was very common uh, uh, practice in most religions to use incense. And by the way, it's still quite common to use incense as a means of acknowledging and worshiping a god. There are many religions all around the world that still use incense in that fashion. Uh, and so, uh, and the, the Jews were no different in that regard. And, and not, neither was the Magi or the wise men who came from, is believed from Babylonia, and uh, that region. So now we have this common practice of using incense to acknowledge and worship God. But now frankincense was unusual because it was not used that often in that because it was very expensive. So this was a very expensive gift that the Magi or the wise men are giving to Jesus. Uh, and frankincense is also found in, the, in our Bible when the, 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 the people of God were given instruction by God in erecting the tabernacle in the Old Testament uh, God instructed them that there was supposed to be incense. There was to be incense that was to be burned before him. We're going to read that in uh, Exodus chapter 30. I'm going to begin reading in verse 34. Listen, then the Lord said to Moses, gather fragrant spices, 
resin droplets, mollusk shells, and galbanum, and mix these fragrant spices with pure frankincense, weighed out in equal amounts. Using the usual techniques of the incense maker, blend the spices together and sprinkle them with salt to produce a pure and holy incense. Grind some of the mixture into a very fine powder and put it in front of the Ark of the Covenant where I will meet with you in the tabernacle. You must treat this incense as most holy. Never use this formula to make this incense for yourselves. It is reserved for the Lord and you must treat it as holy. Anyone who makes incense like this for personal use will be cut off from the community. So, frankincense played a pivotal role in incense that was to be burned in the tabernacle. Uh, the tabernacle had uh, the, the most holy place. That was where God was represented by the Ark of the Covenant, right? And then there was a curtain, and no one could go into that, that place except the high priest and once a year. On the other side of the, of the curtain, there was first and foremost the altar of incense, and that is where they were to burn this incense before God. It was to be a pleasing aroma to God. It was also something that was to be burned continually. I look in the same chapter in, in verse 7. Every morning when Aaron, he's the high priest, maintains the lamps, he must burn fragrant incense on the altar, and each evening when he lights the lamp, he must again burn incense in the Lord's presence. This must be done from generation to generation. So notice God is saying, not only is this a very special formula that contains frankincense that is burned before me, but it's supposed to burn continuously. It's never supposed to go out. Every morning, Aaron is to come in, make sure the incense is going. Every evening, before he goes to bed, goes in there, make sure the incense is burning. It's not supposed to ever stop rising up to God as a fragrant aroma. Are you with me so far? Okay. So, this incense, this frankincense, is given to the Lord Jesus by the wise men, acknowledging and worshiping Jesus Christ as God. It was acknowledging his deity, his divine nature. Now, having said that, let me just take a step back, if I could, for just a moment here, a little step back in time. When Mary now, who was single, has been approached by an angel of God and told that she has been selected by God to give birth to Messiah. We find in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel replied to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called what? Come on, say it. He'll be called what? The Son of God. So in other words, though Mary, a virgin, 
she would give birth because the, the, the Spirit of God would come upon her and there would be a divine birthing that would be taking place in her womb. And the, the, the father of this child would be none other than God, and so he would be called the Son of God. Mary accepted this, and it happened as the angel said it would. Now, the issue is this. Mary had a fiancé, and his name was Joseph. Now, one day, I don't know, maybe because the, her belly started showing or whatever, we're not sure, the Bible doesn't tell us, but Joseph discovers that his fiancé is with child, and he knows it ain't mine. And then Mary comes with this story, um, the father of this child is the Holy Spirit. And Joseph's like, right. Okay. Joseph now decides, I'm going to divorce her privately. Now, the reason for this, it's important we stop to, to, to understand this, is by, by Hebrew custom and law, because when you do it, when there's an engagement, that engagement is just as binding as an actual marriage covenant. So for Mary now to be discovered to be with child, and it's not Joseph, means that she has been unfaithful, that she has committed adultery. And according to custom and law, all Joseph had to do was to make that public, and Mary would be stoned to death, according to the law. Joseph did not want to do that to Mary, so the Bible tells us that Joseph had a plan to divorce her privately so that Mary's life could be spared. So Joseph goes to bed with this plan in mind, but God has another plan. So now God sends an angel to talk to Joseph in his dream. And we find in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the angel said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. So the angel is telling uh, Joseph, Joseph, take Mary as your wife because she's telling you the truth. The baby in her womb was conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit, and she's going to give birth to a son, and they're going to call him Emmanuel, and the name Emmanuel literally means God with us. In other words, uh, this would be uh, no ordinary child. He would be more than just a good man. This child would grow up to be more than just a prophet or a healer. This child would be more than even the king of the Jews, as we've been talking about. No, this child would have a divine nature. He would be God's son. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And during Jesus' ministry as an adult, he affirmed his deity. He affirmed his, his, his if I could use the word, his godly nature. Uh, in John chapter 8, we read in verse 58. Let me get to there really quick there, guys. Okay, here I am. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I 
am. Everybody say, I am. I am. Listen, at that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. So now, Jesus was in a conversation with some of the people, and some of the religious leaders were there, and Jesus replied to a lot of the conversation, hey guys, I just want you to know, before Abraham was born, thousands of years ago, I am. Now, at that point, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. And the reason for that is this phrase, I am, was the name that God used. Remember when Moses asked God, well, what should I tell the people? What's your name? So when the people ask, well, who sent you? I can give them your name, God. And he said, you tell the people, I am has sent me. So now Jesus, listen, so now Jesus, that name, by the way, I am, was never to be uttered by the Jews. It was forbidden because it was considered so holy. They would call him Jehovah, They would say God, but they would never use the phrase, I am. So here comes Jesus, and he says, before Abraham was even born, I am. And all of a sudden, now the Jews heard that phrase, and they know, blasphemy. You cannot claim to be God. You are a human being. That's what he was claiming. when he, He said, this is my name. This is who I am. And so Jesus himself declared, hey, before Abraham was even born, I existed. Why? Because I am. I am God, in other words. So now, let's fast forward. Because this aspect of Jesus' life, his deity, his divine nature, has always been a subject of attack. Think about it. I mean, Many considered Jesus a good man. That didn't make him special because there are many good men who died for good causes in the history of our nation and in the history of our world. So that didn't make Jesus special, if I could say that reverently. Uh, Many uh, looked at Jesus as uh, obviously a king. A lot of great kings have come and gone. And we're all due respect to Jesus' kingship. That doesn't separate him from anybody else. But to claim to be God in the flesh, that's to be associated with somebody who's a little bit off his rocker. Come on, can I be truthful, right? Come on, put, picture yourself walking in the days of Jesus. And here's this guy. He's doing miracle after miracle. He's healing. He has great words that he is speaking. And then one day, out of the blue, he throws that out. I'm God. That's why people went to stone him. You've got to be crazy. To, to, to say that you're God, there's no way that you're God. And and even today, there are people that will look at it. I know Jesus, he was a good man. I'm willing to accept that Jesus, yeah, he was a prophet, and maybe he healed some people. But to say that Jesus Christ was and is God, now that's another story there. But what if Jesus Christ was and is God? For us, 
today, the gift of frankincense symbolizes our acknowledgement, listen, and worship of Jesus as God. Okay. Now, the acknowledgement and the worship, they need to go together because we can't just acknowledge Jesus as God and then not worship him as God. Are you following me what I'm talking about? That is not frankincense. Frankincense, that fragrant aroma that pleases God, that rises up to God, that pleases him, is when we acknowledge Jesus Christ as God, that divine nature, and as a result of that, we release worship and praise that honors Jesus as God. That's what rises up to God as an aroma that's pleasing in his sight. So this gift of frankincense symbolizes our acknowledgement of Jesus' deity and our willingness to worship him. Why do you think we have an adversary called the devil, Satan, whose primary goal is to rob worship from Jesus. We'll enter into a service like today, and the beginning portion is called our worship service, right? This is, this is what we call the worship service, and the front part of the service is always designed to take time to honor our God through singing of songs, to lifting up our hands, all of that combined, we, we call it worship. But now we have an adversary who never ceases to stop working. So how does he continue to work on our behalf? Well, he will do all kinds of things to try to keep us from worshiping. For instance, just this morning, Brother uh, Carlos Vargas, one of our uh, elders who does a phenomenal job in the church doing so many things, on his way here, had a little minor fender bender. Now he's fine. And, and all that kind of stuff. But how many know? That can really derail your day. Oh, or not in the sense of physically, emotionally, yeah. Yeah. mentally, to get you to come in here and start thinking about that and maybe being angry at the person, especially if they were texting while they were driving and they didn't see you. And then all of a sudden now, you're not in the frame of mind to worship God. So all kinds of things. This morning, I was, I, I was leaving, and I, I, I went to start my car, so I hit the garage door opener, and the chain released from the, from the thing, and all of a sudden, I had to lift up the garage door manually. All designed to get us in a little huff. Now, I know that doesn't happen to you. I know most of you, you are, no matter what happens, you're never in a huff on a Sunday morning. But people like me, I see pictures of me with gold chains on. I get a little half. Okay. Can we be truthful? Have you noticed it doesn't take much to get you upset on a Sunday morning? Why is that? When things happen during the week, you deal with it and you move on. But somehow Sunday morning, it just seems like you're just a little bit extra on edge with stuff. I mean, right before the service. It was one minute to go before the service, and Mark was sitting here with Arashel, and all of a sudden, Arashel just 
It's one minute. Get up there. I'm like, Mark, you better get up there, Mark. He's getting up there with, okay, dear. Yes, sweetie. We're going to worship God. My woman told me I better get up there. We're having a lot of fun this morning, but I say all of these things because I've seen over the years one of the saddest things is that we come to worship without frankincense. And we'll stand respectfully because we don't want to be sitting down because that would be too disrespectful. So somehow we think if I'm standing but I'm respectful, then it's okay. But is standing quietly worshiping God? I'll let you answer that question and think about that. Frankincense is the gift that acknowledges and worships Jesus for being God. And it's critical that you recognize we have to put the two together. It's more than just acknowledging. If I'm truly acknowledging, worship should be spontaneous. And frankincense there's also one more component to it that we need to cover this morning. Listen to Psalm 141, verse 2. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Take a little glimpse into heaven. It says, And when he took the scroll, meaning Jesus, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, Jesus. Each one had a harp, and they held bowls filled with incense, which are what? The prayers of God's people. So in other words, the Bible is teaching us something here, that when you and I pray, when we talk to the Lord, That is considered by God to be incense that rises up. And that incense is so crucial, so important to God that he gathers every single one of our prayers in a bowl. And the the elders that are gathered around the throne of God, each are given a bowl of incense that is burning before God. And God is like, ah, I love that aroma. Well, what's that aroma? It's my people who are praying. See, it's not just my people worshiping, but now it's my people who are praying. So this gift of frankincense also symbolizes the prayers of God's people, which rises up as a fragrant aroma to God. That the Lord is pleased when you and I lift up our voice to him in prayer. Now, why is that considered frankincense? You see, because prayer, like worship, acknowledges that Jesus is God. Because after all, why pray to someone who's not God? Why pray to someone who can't help you? Why pray to someone who isn't alive? Why pray to someone that has no power to affect your circumstance, you see? But when you and I pray, 
we are declaring our dependency upon the one who is God and who can meet our need. Now, a few closing thoughts. Worship team, if you would come. I want to add quickly three things that are important for us to consider regarding this, the gift of frankincense. Number one, listen, it's costly. Remember I said earlier that frankincense was a costly incense. So it wasn't for common use. Now, when I say the, the gift of frankincense for you and I is costly, it means that our worship and our prayer should be reserved for God and God alone. And we need to make sure that nothing stands in the way of that. It's costly. There are times where it costs you to worship God. Think about the fact when, when, when you're in that place where you have difficulty, where you have a loved one that's sick, and it's important at that point in time to pray, and we will pray, right? We'll pray and ask God, God, would you touch my loved one? Would you meet their need? And that's frankincense that rises up. But on the other hand, it's equally important to say in that moment, God, I'm going to worship you. However it turns out, I'm going to magnify your name. I'm going to bless your name because you're worthy. Oh, but that's so hard at that moment. I know. It costs you everything. It costs you to put aside how you feel to honor him. When you come in on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or wherever it is, and there's the, the saints are gathered, and you may not be in the frame of mind to worship God. And I know here's the light of the devil spins in our mind. Well, you don't want to start singing because you don't feel like it, and so you don't want to be a hypocrite. So don't sing. I would tell you the opposite. You don't feel like singing, sing anyway. Because he's still worthy whether you feel like it or not. He's still God whether we feel like it or not. And so to get to that point, it, it costs you something to say, I'm going to get out of myself. Because some of us have been raised with a much more reserved nature and personality. I get that. But I know that no matter how reserved we all are, we can be spontaneous and worship. I cost you. You might bring that family member or friend next Sunday. And during the worship, Pastor Jason would say, let's lift up our hands. And you're like, oh, I don't want to lift up my hand. My friend's going to think I'm crazy. Yeah, it may cost you that. But is he not worthy? See, frankincense, number one, it's costly. Number two, put up the second one on, on the board for me. It has to burn. Meaning this, frankincense in and of itself will not give off that fragrant aroma unless you light it. Fire has to be added to it in order for it to release that fragrant aroma. So what does that mean, Pastor? It means this. Our worship and our prayer 
has to be passionate for it to be frankincense. We have to be so careful of routine. I've been guilty of that. I can come into a service and sing just to sing. But singing just to sing does not mean my heart is engaged. It does not mean that I'm worshiping God. All it means is that I'm singing. And there are times I, the same thing happens with me when it comes to prayer. How many know we can say a lot of prayers? We need to have a list. This is my daily list of prayers. These are the things I'm always asking God for. And we can rapid fire these things and say, okay, I pray. But worship and prayer can be passionless. It can lack that dynamic energy that releases the fragrant aroma that's pleasing to God. Number three, it must burn continuously. Remember in the Old Testament, day and night, the high priest was responsible to make sure that incense was burning, that the fire never went out. You and I need to make sure, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, that we are on guard. Because I just talked about lighting the incense with fire, it's gotta burn. But here's the uniqueness of our life and the character of our natures that we all share. Spiritual passion Spiritual fire is just like physical fire. The one uniqueness about physical fire is you don't have to do anything for it to go out. It naturally will come to a place where it will burn out on its own. So what does that mean same to us? Spiritual passion. That energy that we worship God with, that energy that we pray with, is wonderful. But you don't have to do anything for it to go out. You have to work to keep the fire going. And by work, meaning you have to constantly be going to God and say, God, I need fresh fire in my life. I need fresh passion in my life. Every single day, God, give me fresh fire today so that I can serve you with passion. I can worship you with passion. I can pray with passion. And I'm not talking about, passion doesn't mean emotional just to get emotional. I'm talking about that, that inner passion that means that my heart is behind that thing. I, I'm intense in my worship of God. I recognize this moment is a unique moment in time. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand. Pastor Jason is going to lead us with the worship team to worship. This is a unique moment in time. It will happen, and you can never capture it again. And in that moment, either you will worship God or you won't. It's as simple as that. And you never be able to go back and say, rewind that, Pastor. I want to, I want to do what I didn't do. I want, to, I want to worship God at that moment. It will be gone forever. So we need that passion to get before God. 
You say, God, today might not be a good day, but God, here's the great news. I can come to you fresher than you and get fresh fire. Fresh fire from the Spirit of God. Because the Bible says this, the promise of the Lord, when he comes, meaning Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? Fire. You see, the passion we're talking about doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from me. It comes from above. He's the one that lights this spiritual sensor. And then we add our worship and our praise. And that becomes that spiritual frankincense that combined with the fire of God rises up to him. And he like, oh, how precious that is. Stand with me. Father, I pray right now, release your holy fire in this place, oh God. Release your fire into the heart of every single one of your people, oh God. Release your fire into my heart, oh God. Baptize us today afresh and anew with holy fire, oh God, so that that incense could be ignited right now, oh God. That frankincense could rise up as a fragrant aroma, oh God. Oh God, baptize your people with fire, even now, as we lift up our voice to worship you, to bless your name, oh God. Hallelujah. Come on, church. This is your moment. Lift up your voice and you worship. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Lord. We bless your name. We bless your name. Father, every day that you give us breath, we pray for a fresh baptism of your fire to ignite the worship, the prayers of our life, oh God, that it might rise up and incense to you, oh God. We want you to be pleased with our worship. God, not just here when we gather, but our home, when we're in our car, wherever we might be, oh God. We want our worship to be passionate. We want it to honor the one who loves us and died for us. The one who is our king and the one who is our God. We acknowledge you this morning, oh God, that you, Lord Jesus, are our God. And we bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Come on, one last time. Put your hands together for Jesus. Bless you in the name of the Lord. Hey, we bless you in the name of the Lord.